Hi everyone and welcome to another Firms Consulting Podcast. Today's podcast is focused on the article BCG Istanbul and McKinsey Boston and it's a little bit of a longitudinal study in the sense that I'm doing this podcast over a year and a half after we wrote the article and I thought it would be a really good idea to look at what happened to the candidate we, sh- we advised in that article. You know, Was our advice right? Where was it wrong? Um, did you find it useful? Uh, did things play out as expected? So I'm going to talk a little bit about the advice we gave her and then help you think through uh, how you can take that advice given the experience she had. And um, I think it's it's important to maybe talk a little bit about this candidate so you get a feel for uh, whether the context is appropriate for you. Uh, the name is obviously made up. I didn't want to give a real name here, but I, I think that you know there are some candidates that, as as a coach and mentor, you just like. And I think this candidate, I'm going to call him. I'm just going to call her M. Um, was a um, was a likable candidate. Firstly, she's fairly young. She's super intelligent. Um, you know, one of those candidates who I, their eyes sparkle when you speak to them, I think, is a good way of describing it. But I also think very, very polite. Um, so you've got this very amazing combination of someone really young, really eager, very intelligent, very uh, impressive background, but also very polite. And, and that's sort of, for me, the winning combination. Yeah, When I meet people like that, I just want to spend time with them. You know, how would you not want to spend time with such amazing people? So her issue here was that um, she had a pretty astonishing background, I would think, you know, um, Stanford undergraduate degree, did her, um, you know, MBA at one of the top three schools in the world, um, three years of management consulting experience, and she also had worked for a startup. Her background to me was strong enough that I was very concerned that, you know, what if she she's young so she's got time on her side in the sense that she can leapfrog many other people provided she makes the right decisions if she makes the wrong decisions and gets stuck in the wrong career for a long time um, I wasn't exactly sure whether she could ever overcome that now what I mean by that when you are young you've got time on your side. You make a bad choice, that bad choice is going to force you to get stuck in the wrong role. It's going to eat away the time, which is your only real advantage. And then by the time you leave that role, you're going to lose the time advantage you have. So one thing I always advise young people to do is that when you have time on your side, you want to protect it and use it as much as possible. Now, a couple of concerns I had with her profile. She worked at um, Bain previously and you know she was not trying to break into McKinsey and BCG and I was not entirely sure why she wanted to do that because Bain's a pretty good firm I don't know them personally I've never worked at Bain but we interact with enough Bain partners for us to you know speak to the caliber of the firm um, and firms consulting one of the coaches and mentors is uh, ex-Bain senior partner so to me it was you know wh- why why make this transition you were a successful consultant for three years you had been promoted once when you were in the firm. You now then you went to a startup, and then you went into, um, um, you know, to do your MBA. Why didn't you go back to management consulting? What is it going to give you that you didn't get before? So what is that gap that you're trying to identify? So the the feeling there that we had with this candidate is that it's not so much what she hadn't achieved. 
but what she wants to achieve in the future. And that's where we pivoted and focused most of the attention. And it came down to exit opportunities in quite a substantial way. Now, when we first gave her this advice, at the time we were not sure whether she would go to Boston or should end up in Istanbul and where her, the bulk of her interest lay. My feeling with her was that given her strong profile, given the structure of the economy in Turkey and Istanbul and Ankara, and Ankara, the main consulting centers, yes, she was going to pick up skills and in sectors that are different to the United States, but there were some sectors like banking like retail, whereby the skills she picked up may not be directly transferable to the United States, but if she learned how to work as a senior partner in Turkey um, and she withdrew just those analytic skills, forget about the sector skills, she could easily transfer them to the United States. Now, you can read the advice we gave you. I don't want to focus too much on that. I want to focus on the longitudinal side of things. The candidate was successful at joining one of the other two major consulting firms. Um, she joined at a level above that which she left at Bain. So, in my opinion, it was a good move for her. If she had joined at an uh, lateral, if it was a lateral move, I would not have recommended it. And I remember when we were having this discussion whether she should take the offer or join a bank where she also had an offer to join as a strategy role. My, my feeling here was that she had not, while she is of Turkish origin, she is not someone who has spent a lot of time in Turkey or even understands the Turkish culture. And my feeling t with her was that if you had worked at McKinsey or BCG, they will provide enough of a support for you so that you make the cultural transition. It's not so much of an issue. I do feel that corporates don't provide that backing. They kind of put you in there and expect you to, you know, um, just survive. The other feeling I had is that while she had... Uh, um, you know, a, a good consulting background in the past. It was for the Middle East, and despite what most people they just kind of just lump the whole of the Middle East and Asia Minor together, there are profound differences in culture, um, hierarchy of businesses, the way decisions are made, uh, the insularity of businesses, and I would say the precociousness of executives. What do I mean by that? Well. The first project M worked on when she went into Turkey was to advise a family-owned bank or a family-owned conglomerate which owned a bank, I think is more correct. And her job was to work with the senior executives in one of the divisions to help them understand the cultural changes that would be required were they to make an acquisition outside their borders. Uh, that's all I've been told I'm allowed to discuss in that project, so I'm keeping it fairly vague for a reason. Now, why this project is difficult is because it is not your traditional McKinsey project or BCG project where you have to go in, crunch a lot of numbers, build a business case, and you come up with this nice fancy assessment of where the company wants to go. I mean, that's a kind of easy, right? I mean, you go in there, pull out a spreadsheet, and you know, do some wizardry on it, and you get a good rating. The kind of project she was involved in was much more difficult because you are trying to develop the corporate vision and identity for a company. And there is no 
set of tools to do that. It is a set of discussions you need to facilitate among senior and middle management. Now, you don't have a Turkish background. You're fairly young compared to most of the other consultants. You arrive in Turkey, you speak the language but with a strong accent and your, and your language skills are not that great. And you've got to bond with these executives. I would say that M found it difficult to do that. Um, I think that on some level, both her and I, and I've worked in Turkey, so I, I understand how the culture works, I misunderstood or uh, underestimated, or as you know, a famous president would say, we misunderestimated the difficulty that M would have to build a relationship with some of these executives. And, and I remember the particular feedback she gave me whereby executives would treat her as if she was the youngest person in the room and she told me one executive even you know kind of alluded that he, she should make coffee for him which I thought was kind of funny but but obviously not funny for her right and and it kind of played to Emma's personality because she's quite a nice person and she doesn't try to offend people now was her experience good or bad? I would say that's not the greatest experience, but I did think she managed it well because one of the things she told me is that when the executive made this comment, she kind of made a joke and said, well, if you're going to make coffee, why don't you make it for me as well? But she did it in a, in a, in a kind of friendly, humorous way. So the executive did not feel offended. And from what I understand, according to her anyway, they have a good relationship. Now, one of the things we tend to underestimate when we have candidates who are from foreign countries living in Canada, the United States, or UK, of foreign origin, is that we kind of just make this assumption that, well, you're of Turkish origin, well, you're of Egyptian origin, well, you're of, I don't know, Russian origin. You're going to integrate into Russia. You're going to integrate into Turkey. I think that 10 years ago that was true. It was certainly true when I was there. I think things have changed a little bit in emerging economies, whereby there is a large group of Turks, Russians, Egyptians, Brazilians, who feel that, yeah, it's great to go study in the United States, but you should return home as soon as you study, because it is your duty to, you know, contribute to your country. I, I, Ten years ago, it was fine to go to the United States and spend a lot of time there and then come back, because why? There was a brain train or shortage of skills so that if you spend a lot of time in the United States and you return back, people would say, well, at least he came back, he's highly educated. Now it's a little bit different. Young people are going to the United States, getting their degrees from Wharton, Stanford, Harvard, wherever, and they're returning back immediately home because the opportunities are so great. So what you have is that what M experienced is that she was part of the group that had gone to the United States and had become Americanized and trying to get back home. And she was, I think, butting heads, including on her project team and in the client side, executives and senior consultants and other levels of consultants who had gone to the United States and returned immediately. And they see that they, and those people see that they're, in inverted commas, more patriotic and to some respects more willing to do things for the local country. And I think that in my discussions with them initially, we never pinpointed that as the problem. It took us a long time discussing many of the interactions we had, she had had to figure out, you know what, this is probably the problem. And 
There's nothing you can do about it. You just have to show them that you're committed and you have to make it very clear that you're not looking to return to the United States anytime soon because that is really the big fear, right? And, and I think that that is really the turning point for the relationship she had, not just with the client because the client doesn't really discuss your career except in her private dinners when they want to know what your long-term plans are and so on, but especially within the team. And I must say, I was a bit surprised that the partners would see this as an issue as well. But on the one hand, I could see it as being a problem, but I always felt that, you know, of any firm, you know, McKinsey and BCG, those two firms are quite global in the way they operate, and partners, I encourage you to think broadly about where you want to be located and so on. But I felt in, in the Turkish office, at least where she was located, the partners were more concerned about the fact that she saw Turkey as just a tick on her resume to show she had emerging markets experience, which she would then recycle back into the United States. Now, now how did we get M to, to manage the situation? Well, it wasn't difficult with M because I do think she's extraordinarily likable. You know, M is one of the people that when I see a message come up from her on my phone, I'll take it because you know, you feel good when you speak to her. She's smart. She knows what she's talking about. And most importantly, she has good values. You know, my, my main criteria is that is a person sincere or not? And are they going to do things for the right reasons? And they're going to tell me exactly what they are feeling. Uh, you know, those are the kind of people you want to work with. So, so what is the strategy we followed for M to overcome these things? I think the first one is that when she joined the Turkish office, a big part of her strategy was to network with partners and build relationship with partners that she felt could be a bridge back into the United States. And that was, in hindsight, that was a bad strategy. We should not have recommended that because it obviously doesn't make sense, right? It's like going to a country and spending the, your whole life telling people how much you want to leave. So it was probably a bad strategy from our side. And look, we, we're not perfect. We live and learn. We, we, we then had to pivot and we mentioned to M that she should not be doing that anymore. Hold off on the networking to go back in the United States. In fact, you have to do the opposite. You have to now start showing commitment to the firm. So how do you do that? How do you show the firm you are committed to, to doing things that are for the good of Turkey? Well, a couple of things we did for M helped her do this. One is we put her onto projects, or we encouraged her, we couldn't actually put her onto anything, but we encouraged her to be put onto projects, firstly, that we're in sectors that are big in Turkey, but not necessarily that important in the United States. So she went on to a lot of public sector projects. Secondly, we wanted her to be put onto projects whereby she is, these are kind of long-term engagements. When I say long-term, it's inverted commas. It's obviously not as long as a, you know, technology project and so on, but whereby the firm is only going to put onto it if she is willing to build a long-term relationship with the client and is willing to move on to the different phases of the project. Well, what kind of a project is that? The banking project is just such a project, right? you going on to phase one, you, then you'll have to do phase two, you have to do phase three because the client is so big the consulting firm has multiple engagements on the project and what they prefer to do is to put in a is to put in a consultant maybe doing on the working on the marketing side of the project once that project ends they then move on to another engagement regard, uh, related to corporate values and once that's done they move into operations and so on so M has actually been working at pretty much the same client for a very long time which is kind of typical when you're doing work in the public sector or for large banking clients so that's the second thing we did we, we pushed her onto these projects the third thing we did is that we got her involved in the firm had corporate events, uh, sorry, not corporate events, social events that they were doing uh, to um, bolster certain, I don't want to give away too much here, let's say certain 
cultural icons within Turkey, pro bono work. And we got M involved in that for two reasons, because it, it I think it helped her um, uh, show that, you know, I'm not just interested in learning about how to be the best consultant, take it back. I'm also interested in, in contributing to helping preserve Turkey's culture and heritage. The fourth thing we did is that we, we, uh, we encouraged her to change her mentorship cycle and the mentors that she was seeking within the firm. So we asked her to pick mentors who had been in Turkey, grew through the ranks, and were committed to staying within Turkey and working within Turkey. We also bolstered her mentoring outside of the firm. So we got her to mentor with executives outside of the consulting firm so that she had a network that she could rely on to give her advice that she could then take in to consulting engagements. It's very unusual. It's a very unusual strategy we follow there because typically we don't tell consultants to do that, that we place at the major firms. We always tell them to seek your mentors within the firm. But here I felt that it's something that none of the firm's consulting partners can advise on because we just don't understand the Turkish mindset. We don't understand the cultural issues. We don't understand how you have to integrate within the Turkish society. And so it, it was completely foreign to us. Even though we've worked there, you cannot, un you know, people say I visited China eight times, 12 times, I understand China. You don't understand the country if you work there. It takes a long time to understand the cultural mindset. And it would have been a disservice, I think, to M for us to say, well, this is what we think you have to do. Go ahead and do it. So we definitely, you know, stepped back and said, that is not the way we want to approach this. Uh, we feel you need someone who understands the cultural mindset. And in picking the mentors, obviously M gave us a short list. We wanted to find executives who had been through the same journey M had been in. So we found people that had been educated in the United States, Turks, um, spent a lot of time in the United States and then returned home and had to make that transition. And we picked two groups. We picked two mentors for that. One who had done this many years ago when it was a lot easier to do it and one who was doing it now. And I can be honest, it wasn't easy to set up these mentoring relationships. It was pretty hard to do it, um, you know, a lot of discussions with M having to seek mentors. A lot of them said no. Some people didn't respond. But given a background, I would say that the, the strike rate she received was far higher than the average person, and we would expect that. Now, it took about six months for us to figure out that problem. So it's been 12 months now into M going through this mentorship cycle. So what has been the outcome for him? For one thing, she's actually done fairly well having been promoted at the firm. So, you know, one and a half years after joining, that's pretty good, right, to be promoted. The other thing is that what one thing we didn't expect is that I don't think M is interested in returning to the United States because she's become so, what's the word I'm looking for, integrated into Turkish culture that she really believes that she can make an impact in the economy, she can make an impact in the country, and she's going to do it. So the discussion we're having with her now is, you know, how does she then prepare herself to make partner? What can she do to make partner? What can she do to contribute more to the Turkish economy and so on? And I think she's done fairly well. You know, coming from someone who, you know, born in this country has no background and then trying to build a prison for herself. It wasn't easy and it's never going to be easy. You know, we make it sound like it's so easy to make these transitions. It's not. It's actually quite painful. And I think she's done a pretty good job. If I did think anyone was listening to this podcast in the same position, well, you've come to the United States or the UK or Germany or Canada, and you're studying in a foreign country and you've spent five to 10 years, or maybe you even came there when you were a kid, you know, five years old and you've adjusted, but you have a passport or you have joint citizenship in your home country, 
I would say my first piece of advice for you is do not underestimate how difficult it is to bridge the cultural gap that you have created by becoming westernized. That's my first thing to you. My second thing to you is the country has changed a lot since you've left. And even if you have visited, it's not the same thing as living in a country and adjusting to it. I think that's a completely different mindset that you develop when you've lived in a country recently versus just having visited your grandmother or your family for one week, two months ago, right? It's, it, you, you, are, you are a foreigner when you're in that country. The third thing is that I think no one really cares that you want to go back to the United States or the UK. No one cares. If you go to Turkey or you go back to Russia, no one cares. In fact, they don't want to hear that. So I would think that we kind of take for granted that people are worried about our interests. They're not. They're worried about their interests. And when you when you, when you you do choose to go to Turkey or Russia or not some other major emerging economy, I would actually maybe be very careful about sharing your long-term goals because people can be resentful of it. There are people in those offices who want to go to the United States and they don't have the opportunity. They're going to resent it. There are people in those offices who don't want to go to the United States and are upset when people come in and use their office as a training ground to return. So I think you want to be very, very uh, careful about how you share your long-term plans. The fourth one is I think that to reconnect with a culture can't be done through the consulting projects and the initiatives the consulting firm sets up. We've seen that with M, we've seen that with other clients as well. You've got to find a plug into the culture outside of the firm. With M, we did that through getting her onto pro bono projects and to getting her onto what I think are astonishingly good mentors who have really helped her understand some of the um, body language and image issues she was projecting uh, inadvertently with regards to the messages